Welcome to the Don Pravda and Erica Gray Show. The Twist. I'm Erica Gray, and this is The Twist News. And today I am delighted to have Mike Jones, who is a Russian correspondent and expert. And we're going to have some very interesting discussion. Mike, you made the kill list. You made the hit list. Congratulations. I did. Thank you very much indeed. I've joined the um, the wall of honor, I guess, for journalists. So, although as much as uh, we joke about it, it's uh, a very macabre and um, sorry state of affairs that it even exists, especially given as some of those listed beside me, one of them in particular, Faina is just a teenage girl who wrote a blog about her daily life in Donbass. So yeah, for us uh, journalists, we uh, view it with a wry smile, uh, but sadly it is something that uh, is symbolic of the persecution of the people of Donbass. Well, the other thing too, is it originates in Langley, Virginia. It's a CIA list. And Proudly that... stated on its, on its front page, alongside the uh, victims' bodies that are also uh, displayed there. I don't advise those um, who are uh, of a nervous disposition to view that disgusting website. The a teenage girl is actually on that list, among many, many others. Yes, which yeah. brings us into our next topic: comparing Russian soldiers to ISIS. Which, by the way, was predictable. It was predictable mm. that the media would then put that out there. So, I'd like you to talk about some of the atrocities on the part of Zelensky. All right, well, I, I need only reference uh, a news article that came out the other day. Uh, I'm not sure how widely spread it was in the Western media. I believe in France it was reported where they arrested and detained two mercenaries uh, affiliated with, um, we say these neo-Nazis, um, who proudly on their own Telegram channels uh, displayed not just their affiliations to uh, former organizations of the Third Reich, but also their crimes. Uh, one of them even confessed to the execution of a Russian prisoner of war, given the fact that he was pictured in this photograph uh, with uh, the victim in front of him. Uh, this, as I say, was picked up by Russian media. It's just another story of another instance of this behavior. Um, that being said, I am aware of allegations, uh, quite whether, um, quite whether they were true because uh, an internal investigation was launched into in russia to investigate a video where it was claimed that a russian outfit had been guilty of let's say isis style tactics uh, however um upon scrutiny it's very difficult because you know uniforms don't match and we've had in this information war we've had fakes we've had stagings we've had provocations so unfortunately, yeah, it's very difficult to to verify, but it doesn't surprise, therefore, that this would appear and there, so, therefore such allegations would be made. Uh, my point, personal point of, uh, of view is, well, it takes one to know one because did the CIA not fund ISIS? Have they not schooled and tutored uh, the Ukrainians on how to use human shields uh, in these, these tactics of fighting built-up areas, of purposely placing tanks next to kindergartens, uh, and so on and so forth? Uh, so unfortunately there, I, I have to take, um, uh, I have to sort of smile at that sort of pot kettle black kind of feeling allegation. Um, I personally haven't 
heard any testimonies when I've been to Donbass, to the front lines there, or um, the civilians I've spoken to of anything like this behavior from the Russian soldiers. Now, people would say, well, you're not going to from the people in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I accept that. That's fine. I just, I personally haven't found any concrete evidence to support such claims, just like I'm really genuinely struggling to find any um even details regarding this allegation of Russia kidnapping children. I I personally want to find these alleged camps. I want mm-hmm. to visit them. I have that ability and I have the connections to arrange it. But when I go through the Western media and articles, these sorts of important details are often seemingly omitted from the articles that I've personally read. I'm glad you brought up the topic of the children because yes, I saw that in the media and that would have been another question. What I find interesting is that when I tune into the Russian media, I hear facts. When I tune into Sergei Lavrov, who, by the way, I greatly admire, he is a first-rate diplomat, probably one of the best in the world. And all he is a walking encyclopedia. All that man does is recite facts. And yet he is so disrespected by American politicians the media completely just crushes him. And it's really tragic that Russia's voice is not being heard. And I want to ask you about something. The U.S. State Department right now has a code red for travel to Russia, advising all Americans to stay out, talking about all of these kidnappings and various arrests. And I wonder if maybe they don't want Americans going there because Americans might find out the truth that Russians really love Russia, that they like their president, and that it's not the picture that's being portrayed. So I'd like your commentary on the U.S. State Department's code red for Americans. Now, having said that, I'm just going to quickly say, Evan, I did a piece on Evan, was obviously a U.S. propagandist. He had to have a hole in his head to step foot when there's a proxy war going on right now, and he's touting U.S. propaganda. So I just want to just make that comment. Yeah, uh, I agree with uh, your theory, let's say, um, that they'd like to minimize the interaction between the American people and certainly the Russian people in Russia. Uh, Every American I've come across, one very recently, uh, he's now researching and I'm trying to assist um, with my partnership with immigration lawyers, how he can move from the United States to Russia. He was that impressed. There are numerous, uh, I'd say Americans are actually some of the most uh, common expats that I run into. Uh, French being another and British um, surprisingly pop up. Uh, it used to be Germans, but uh, from what I understand in Moscow, many of the Germans have actually left and gone back, um, mainly out of fear of their own government's actions. We've seen it with Alina Lip, uh, whose bank accounts were frozen by the German uh, government and also that of her mother for her association uh, with her. So I wouldn't uh, dispute your your uh, sort of idea there that that's the intention behind it. Uh, the justifications given are often quite farcical. You mentioned that Sergei Lavrov, uh, such an eloquent uh, and use an encyclopedia of man. A, a dying breed, alas, I've not seen anyone comparable in the West. I have seen a similar caliber statesman from China uh, in their reciting of facts, uh, recording things, which makes it ever so difficult for the Western media to 
disprove or dispute what they say. So what I've seen in the Western media is either a complete ignoring of, of their words or twisting uh, or infantile childish playground tactics to either <laughs> like smear that. or besmirch Child, childish play sorry sorry it's, it just it is and then we, yeah we funny. have the like almost the children annalena birbach from germany uh going to beijing and lecturing them uh on you know things she has no right to be talking to them about uh expelling russian diplomats in germany i believe she was behind that now uh, really stirring the pot but coming out this is the woman that uh, said that, what was it, the 360 degree comment that Russia's policy had gone 360 degrees. I, I, it's literally nonsensical sometimes, these, these words that, that come out of these Western, uh, usually quite highly placed individuals, uh, Ursula von der Leyen, you know, trying to claim that SU-27s are run on washing machine chips. It... And then I feel bad for the likes of Sergei Lavrov, who keep a straight face and still attend. They, I don't recall Sergei Lavrov ever storming out uh, in a hissy fit, throwing his toys out of the pram uh, when you know he barely loses his cool. Despite, as you just said, the not just like disrespect, but often insulting behavior he's well, subjected yeah. to. He doesn't deserve it. He absolutely no. doesn't deserve it. And Russia doesn't deserve what's happening to Russia right now. Russia has a legitimate argument, a legitimate beef, drew a line in the sand. Missiles would be facing right from its backyard. And I think what's tragic is nobody's listening to the facts and the propaganda is so strong in the US media. It's about four terms, in territorial, wait a minute, ter territorial integrity of Ukraine, yeah. which knows what that yeah. means well that's, that's what i was accused of violating and ended up on the hit list <laughs> I've, I've said it on shows i have territorial integrity um <laughs> yeah uh, unfortunately Russia you guys lost your your one voice uh tucker carlson who was um not just himself saying things but giving others the platform and the space to present you know their arguments their views uh, and often or not it wasn't aligning with uh, the the u.s government well he crossed the network a huge huge lawsuit and i think that's why murdoch let him go i think murdoch was steaming over the amount of money now that has to be paid out because of his statements and but tucker carlson i believe we're going to see him elsewhere he's going to be picked yeah, up yeah i have no else. doubt i think he has the means and the power and um, the will and perhaps we shall see if he has the will but he could create his own platform and be very successful i think fox news did him a massive favor at just the right time the peak of interest in what he has to say and the sort of as i say the uh, voice that he gave not just himself but others i think um, that he featured there that the americans um it was refreshing for them to hear yes and i think also it was great that he wasn't afraid to take that stand because it's he not even a went way further than i ever thought he would going into jfk and this sort of territory i thought oh tucker uh, you're, you're skating on thin ice here Oh, I've had people tell me you're trying to build a channel. Don't mention Russia. You're sounding mm -hmm. too favorable to Russia. Well, the reason I'm favorable is I'm very analytical and I've been following mm -hmm. for, I'm, I'm older. So I've been following things for some time. And I think that's what comes with being an older journalist is you have that history of following things. And 
I just, I saw the Russian argument and I saw that it was very legitimate. Nobody, and I saw the antics that were being done on the part of the United States. And also the Maiden rallies are funded by George Soros. I understand this whole power thing going on in the European Union. And, you know, Europe, one of the pieces of Emmanuel Macron's speech that most journalists didn't pick mm -hmm. up was this reciprocity and mirror clause. So that in trade agreements now, you're going to have to adopt EU law. How democratic is that? Yeah, it's becoming ever more apparent. And I, I think lately, um, it's funny what will just tip people over the edge. But the more uh, dystopian and, and fascist the Ukraine becomes and and the more brazen they appear to be this this war on god as i've called it in ukraine of uh, arresting priests torturing them calling them russian assets or things like this for simply not switching over to the ukrainian version of the orthodox church uh trying to terminate leases on cathedrals uh, these are the things that people are waking up to and they're saying oh wait a minute these are not western values you're not defending democracy they Okay, and then the lie unravels and they go back. There seem to be certain trigger points. Uh, and people like Tucker Carlson, I think their thorn in the side was they were presenting those little things that were just planting those seeds and people were waking up. And remember, we've just come out of the, the pandemic as well. So other truths are now coming out and other evidence and facts that are also pointing back towards the legacy media that sold lies to the American people. And this is where I, I see we're... Um, beginning of the end of uh, these oh i hope the beginning of the end of, of these fake news uh, outlets and we're moving into even elon musk said it the citizen journalist and uh, i think that's an exciting time if it can uh, actually come about and platforms can be built to successfully distribute the work of some amazing individuals uh, some of them on mirror towards i know exactly what you're saying the the media is so strong I was at um, my spa and the ladies there were talking about the Russia, uh, Russian operation, but you have to hear the, they're literally, you know, Putin is a monster, look at the images, and it's very effective. The propaganda is very effective. And if you really put Putin next to Zelensky, who looks calm? Putin. Who looks sophisticated? Putin. Who looks lecherous? Zelensky. He's actually changed. His features have changed during the course of this. He looks lecherous. You could just see it in his facial features. And yet the media, the US media is so strong with just presenting images in one narrative that people really believe Vladimir Putin is a monster. I don't believe Putin is a monster. I think he's probably one of the best leaders that Russia's ever had. He's absolutely he has been, but brilliant. Of course, he's no angel either. I don't think anyone uh, anywhere, not even in Russia, would tell you that Vladimir Putin is an angel. Uh, but however, call him a monster, though. A monster, yeah, a human the, monster. Call him I, half the things we, they've, they've done is quite often just projection, uh, usually of the leaders that insult another world leader like that. And again, another example of just, um, it's quite embarrassing, I've found it. And it's been going back mm -hmm. years, how the BBC would insult uh, President Putin almost needlessly sometimes just have a jab at someone, which is first sort of uh, made me suspicious uh, at that actually we weren't being told the full story. We've, we're seeing the same the same methods now being employed with China. Quite why? 
I don't know that the these leaders seem to be going down this uh, path to hell and they want to drag us all with them. And I, I hope uh, that that changes and people stand up. And um, I'm very encouraged to hear that uh, Robert uh, Kennedy Jr. is uh, looking to run against Biden in 2024. That kind of gives me hope uh, in some regards. Uh, certainly, he's got a lot more intellect and certainly more compass mentis in my assessment. Uh, than President Biden is, so I'm I'm going to take that as a little bit of optimism for the future of America. I don't know that there really is an optimism because I think our dollar is on the verge of tanking. There's probably going to be a run on the dollar at some point at the rate the BRICS nations are moving away from the U.S. dollar. I think by the time of that next administration, there's going to be total chaos because mm-hmm. of the dollar issue. And I'm not sure who's going to really be able to deal with it at that point. I know Biden wants to run again. I mean, he's a dinosaur. Yeah. It's not just, it's not his age that he's a dinosaur. He's a dinosaur no. in foreign policy. He's not yeah. in the, with this multipolar world, it's a different playground. I'm listening mm-hmm. to things coming out of the European Union that are just shocking. I mean, it's a different, they're even taking a very different turn now than the Federalists initially had envisioned, which was working through world organizations. Well, now they're the empire and they're beginning to write some rules for the world, such as through the Digital Services Act, now this reciprocity clause, and you have China and now Russia with this, with the Russia, with this whole proxy war, there's a division now in the globe. We don't know where this is going to end up. So I think that Biden is just because of his foreign policy is not equipped for this new era for America. No, absolutely not. The de-dollarization, it, it seems to be rapidly uh, increasing in pace. And of course, uh, as you rightly say, my optimism is that um, John Kennedy Jr. may be intelligent enough to try and work with the pieces that are left. Uh, Pax Americana is is something of the past, and this time, this period that America has enjoyed with its hegemony is is drawing to a close. This unilateral was a rules based world order they call it, but rule for thee, but not for me, uh, version that we we've had and uh, appears to be coming to the end. So i i do I do worry a little bit about the American people, not just them though, even back in the UK. I was reading articles today about even one of the banks I bank with now looking like it's going to be in trouble, that it's one of the least uh, less profitable ones. And uh, we've seen that with some community banks already in the States. We've seen uh, Janet Yellen uh, effectively saying, we don't care about the small banks. We kind of want them to fail. Put your money where it can be insured in these big banks. It's, I just can't shake this feeling. It's almost an engineered collapse. Uh, to what? Well, yeah, that's an entire discussion for another day, but we're also seeing these uh, digital uh, central bank currencies uh, that I've no doubt. Um, and the prank by Vovan and Lexus on um, Lagarde, uh, the EU Commission, or sorry, or e, uh, uh, European Bank, uh, where she openly said that, that we want to destroy the economy to bring these digital currencies so we can track all payments and basically wipe out cash. And she said that with a straight face. Uh, she I believed she was to talking Lagarde, to Zelensky. Though. She said, Lagarde said that the digital currency was not meant to replace cash. But here's where it gets ah. even more frightening. I'm just going to tell you where it gets more frightening. They don't have to eliminate cash because the AI now, they're, they know mm. 
they're going to know when you spend cash, they're going to know what the cash is on. And thank you for correcting me. But it, do you recall, was it to a certain sum? They were trying to limit the sum that you could use cash. I'm not uh, sure about that. Yeah, My memory's a bit foggy there. I, I believe you're correct. It wasn't eliminate cash, but uh, as I, I think I recall understanding from what she was describing, it was to keep these smaller payments, let's say to between 50 and a hundred dollars uh, for like everyday small transactions. But if you wanted to actually transfer or pay for anything more, it it wouldn't be possible without the, using this digital currency. It was along these lines, very ominous, however. And statements in Russia, I think Dmitry Medvedev um, touched on this not long ago, were not as ominous, but I could see the potential for the totalitarian tiptoe even in Russia, where he said that any um, central bank digital currency would be only used to settle foreign trade agreements. Well, I have to trust you on that one, because <laughs> I hope what doesn't happen is, yeah, we see it works on foreign trade agreements. Hey, how about we roll it here and then we use it here? Oh, isn't it so great? Uh, they're already, you know, doing the same thing in the West as they've done in the West, like with um, buses that don't take cash anymore. It's all these electronic cards. Uh, and we know that China is almost cashless already. Uh, so, you know, we, we can talk um, you know, about Russia in the West, but I do see certain trends, um, even in the economy with rising house prices or property prices in Russia as well and credit. Uh, being used, I see some ominous omens as to kind of um, becoming what you fight almost. And that's why I think Russia really needs to be careful. And I, I hope they are um, re keeping that in mind, that they don't just now create a, a second version with all the same problems that the West is now suffering. Uh, hopefully with the maintenance of the relationship between the Russian Orthodox Church and the government, I hope that remains and therefore Russia doesn't descend into the same degeneracy that we're now witnessing in the collective West. The other thing about the collective West is it's its brand of democracy. Mm. And the European Union is non-democratic. It's I've already looked over the provisions or the recommendations for the next treaty change that'll be coming, and it doesn't really address the democratic deficit. There's too much power in Brussels. The United mm -hmm. States is no longer fully democratic. Uh, if you, it it's it's disguised. In other words, they say it's your dem it's democratic, but we can also be put in jail if we violate certain laws or states make certain statements. And talking about U.S. democracy, how about the Russian journalists not being allowed at the U.N.? Yeah, yeah, uh, because they're just uh, Russian propagandists. Uh, I think Blinken said, or was John Kirby? Uh, yeah, called them just uh, Russian propagandists. Yeah, all this uh, freedom of the press, <laughs> freedom oh, Blinken, of speech. Talk about, I hate to cut you <laughs> off, but Blinken, no, he looks like his soul has been removed because yeah. he has to tow this propaganda line. And he comes mm. out with about four terms in his speeches, Russia, no. aggression, over and over again. So you see the propaganda, Mike, coming from the leaders. It's, yeah, I see Victoria Newland's hand right up his... <laughs> just moving his mouth for him there was a great shot where he was at the un and she was sitting sort of just off behind him sort of like uh, uh, glowering behind him <laughs> i could i could feel that i'm sure he could feel it on the back of his neck as well that gaze like go on blink and do as you do as i told you 
Exactly. Yeah. And you see that Blinken looks like somebody who lost his soul. He's a brilliant yeah. man. He went to the finest schools and now he has to toe this propaganda line that he knows is ridiculous. Yeah. He doesn't even make any sense. Anybody who really listens to this, if you look at Russia aggression, the U.S. fought more wars during the time of the period that they're stating Russia aggression. I mean, Russia went into what? And all the time Putin has been in power, Georgia and Ukraine, border countries. Yeah, Matter of Chechnya. fact, I'm going to Chechnya I'm was gonna a be, big one. Uh, I'm going to be in an event back with, in the 90s. <laughs> there's going to be three members of NATO at this event. I'll be out next week in Paris. The Assistant uh, Secretary General. I'm going to ask him the Russia question. Mm -hmm. I want to know where mm -hmm. Russia was really aggressive and why yep. NATO was expanding. If, on the topic of Blinken, this the uh, book he wrote, I think it was back in the 80s, Ally versus Ally. And if you go back and read it, and then you think of Nord Stream. Uh, it was quite eerie uh, that uh, Anthony Blinken was the author of this book. I'm pretty sure it was Ally versus Ally. There was a subtitle as well that escaped my memory right now. Uh, China, I believe, made this point uh, as well uh, when Beijing were retorting toward, uh, I think it was at Blinken, actually, uh, regarding you know Chinese aggression towards Taiwan. Uh, Beijing were making the point about how many military bases America has around the world and how many countries. And we're seeing it now in Sudan. Let's not kid each other. That's the U.S. that is upset about Saddam concluding this uh, agreement to build a Russian naval base there on the Red Sea. America is not happy. Now we're hearing the same same propaganda lines that oh, Sudan has a dictator in power and this um, this paramilitary force is there to deliver democracy. Uh, just when you start digging in the timeline, you see the visit by Blinken, you see the visit by Newland, then you see the $255 million of humanitarian aid that was pledged to Sudan, which I'm just going to go out on a limb and just say probably didn't go on a humanitarian aid, more than likely uh, greased the palms of the right people to hire the mercenaries yes. required to put this plan into action. I, I have no evidence uh, you know, to hand to support that theory, but that's just something I'm going to speculate, uh, given the same kind of modus operandi that we saw in Ukraine. It's, it's, almost, it's almost too obvious now, especially then with the media spin uh, as well that's then applied to all this. And I really sympathize with the people at Africa who just, who have for many years, you know, hundreds now at the hands of the UK, US, France, Portugal, Spain, uh, you know, even the Dutch as well, uh, you know, going into this continent and uh, exploiting these poor people. I've interviewed a guy from Somalia who was present at Mogadishu in 1993 when the U.S. <laughs> intervened there and the bloodshed. Um, it's it really does have to come to an end. And I, re I really hope that mankind is not just moving from this unilateral to or unipolar to a multipolar world. Not just that. I hope that humanity is evolving and now going up to a higher level where we we just stop all this uh darkness really really hope we can uh, ascend to a higher level there uh mike it's i'm not that optimistic i think we're in a race <sighs> of the empires and the strongest mm. empire will end up coming out on top i'm very concerned of what's coming out of the european union this mirror and reciprocity clause is frightening they're writing rules now that other nations have to abide by or the western nations have to abide by it's very concerning and we're in a new order now and it's also going to be very interesting to see with russia and the BRIC nations where that's all going to to end up and with china 
it's going to be very interesting. I think we're, we're going to have a different discussion possibly six months from now. By the way, Europe yeah, is going to have a new commission president, and I'm mm. following that to see who is going to be put in place. I don't believe Ursula will be in next. Ursula will be in next because of just different things that I've read. Among... I believe Stoltenberg is stepping down as Secretary General of NATO as well. Uh, in the, I'm not sure on the time frame on that, but I believe a candidate is being sought for NATO Secretary General as well. Interesting about Stoltenberg. Do you know that he was anti-NATO? And he actually had a song when he was younger that talked about how NATO needed to be done away with. And there was another yeah. secretary general a while back as well, who was also anti-NATO. So I find it interesting that some of the Europeans that are taking the slot actually are, were anti-NATO in their history. Like, how does doesn't that happen? Doesn't surprise me in the least. <laughs> yeah, doesn't surprise me at all. Well, that's because Europe is building towards its own army, another yeah. area to watch and mm. we'll be on Russia's doorstep. Mm -hmm. Basically, they're building, they're in the works of building their own army. And again, I've read some proposals coming out of the political groups of the EU concerning how this needs to completely go forward. It's going forward. They've got this strategic compass, mm -hmm. but they're really looking to really bolster it. They're, they're not going to need NATO eventually. NATO just really will bring in the United States. And that's part of some of the discussion that we'll be in in Paris is the future of the EU's defense with some major experts and diplomats. Yeah, I'd be very curious to hear that uh, and what's what's discussed. Well, I, I, it's, it's, um, it's Elnet and it's Israeli and there tends to be this American bias and right. There, I noticed there's an American bias there. So I think I'm finding that everything depends on your worldview, Mike. And right. uh, so I noticed there's an American bias and there's some American diplomats. And uh, so I just want to say that. And there's European, there's French, a uh, couple of people from the EU, but not really many from the EU. Right. So, but a lot of different diplomats, but I'll fill you in. I'll let you know what, what is discussed and I'm going to ask some very pointed questions, uh, at least to the NATO, uh, three, three members of NATO will be there. So Fantastic. anyway, we're running out of time. This was so interesting and it definitely, Thank you. uh, we didn't touch on quickly on Israel, but Lavrov just stated that there, nothing was intended. He publicly has now stated that with what was in the media, that there was a tiff between Israel and Russia. As I've read uh, in um, a Russian publication, uh, he stated that, of course, all parties were informed beforehand, uh, not just informed, they all agreed to it. Uh, so if I can just get a quick direct quote that I had prepared for you, uh, he stated thus. Um, uh, yeah, and this ended up with uh, Erdan then uh, storming out. I tried to get a selection uh, of these publications to really get an idea. Uh, there was even a Russian website, uh, I think it's Mos .ru, uh, where they said Lavrov lied. So this was an Israeli website, but with yes, a Russian I -24. extension. Yes, I-24. Yes, I-24. Right, yeah. 
Uh, I saw that. I thought that's interesting that that's permitted. I can access it in Russia, no problem. And it's written in Russian, so clearly for the Russian audience. So there's, I'm going to say that's a little bit of freedom of speech there that I can see going on in Russia. But it said, according to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the topic of the meeting, discussion of Middle East problems, including the problem of Pal Palestine, was agreed in advance and everyone knew about it. He stressed that the Palestinian issue is the oldest issue that needed to be discussed. Um, this is what was stressed by Lavrov and that the action was not anti-Israeli as as now is being alleged by uh, many of the media yes, outlets. Because Israel and I can believe Lavrov with the, you yeah. know, when you think about how the agendas are set and, and uh, all is arranged there, I have no reason to disbelieve Lavrov's version. Well, also, Israel has a pending agreement with the Eurasian Union. So there's a pending mm. trade agreement. I don't know if that's been finalized. And I believe, I know that the relations with Israel and Russia are actually good. We're actually stating that Israel should be neutral. We're recommending Israel yeah. remain neutral. It's in its best interest to remain neutral because of its relations with Russia. And Putin has given considerable freedom. I, I believe Lavrov also went so far as to draw an analogy to Ukraine, uh, whereby saying that Israel is being a bit hypocritical here with its supporting and supplying of the Kiev regime, given its very same arguments uh, in regards to Palestine. So when it talks about territory and threats on borders and things like this, Lavrov was kind of making the point, well, you can't have it both ways. So if you don't support us, then, you know, how do you how do you um, reconcile your own viewpoint and standpoint and arguments in this, which is a very difficult thing. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, of course, Lavrov goes for the jugular and he doesn't mince his words. He is a very sharp mind, even at 70 years old, it has to be. Uh, understood here the guy is seemingly on top of his game and only getting better like a fine wine oh, yeah he wanted to be <laughs> a nuclear day. like physicist i mean the man is just absolutely brilliant uh, and uh, complimented by maria zaharova as well with a very sharp tongue and again someone who who really gets straight to the point uh, and draws some excellent analogies using facts always just got the facts on hand with like you say encyclopedic knowledge of, around the world not just in like specific areas. And they'll pull out statistics, facts, uh, agreements, quotations of certain protocols and draft agreements and all this. And they'll tell you the the date that it was you know, ratified and all this. Yes, it really he does. He does. To watch. Yeah. And it's tragic that he's not listening. I can't believe that journalists aren't even researching his statements to say, well, Lavrov stated this and cited this agreement, and this is what we found. They don't even look. They don't even. No, bother. they don't. But the important thing is the the handshakes he gets. So it was it was Lavrov and Buran who made this deal in Sudan, and they were. It wasn't just that African country. Lavrov did a whole tour in the Africa Russia summit, and that's the important thing. And I think that's all really that is matters and is cared about here in Russia is they're making the deals and they're getting these uh, jobs done. And the sentiment is is coming more and more over to BRICS plus, not just BRICS anymore, but BRICS plus as more and more countries seek to join um, the multilateral world that uh, Lavrov talks about. And you, the U.S. has actually missed out on the African Union. Every China, mm -hmm. EU, Russia is there. And our policy is just so reckless at this point. It's about, you know, like you said, wars setting up. Yeah, uh, Russia government. exercising true diplomacy, China, I would say, going more down the business and financial route with loans and capital. And then we have the collective West who are just relying on brute force, military and uh, subversion 
uh, and all these dirty underhanded tactics uh, and it, it's just it's apparent for these countries to see they've suffered long enough and these people i as i understand they're they're getting tired of it and uh, i can completely understand why Yes, and you alluded to corruption. Zelensky mm. pocketed, there's a report he pocketed $400 million. Just and, from diesel, just from diesel payments. And if we you know think the of all Biden, the allocation. The corruption. Yeah, that's, that's just a, a little taste. Let's of, face it, uh, that's why Biden been. was behind blowing up the Nord Stream. And that wasn't just a Democratic endeavor. You had the Republicans. They did not like the Nord Stream because it was encroaching on U.S. deals and U.S. gas. That's that's mm -hmm. really why they probably said this is the yeah. time for us to, you know, attack and remove the competition, remove the competition. And that's a horrific U.S. policy. Anyway, mm -hmm. we're really kind of getting to the end. We have a few minutes. Yeah. Mike, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Now, I do want to make a statement. I do realize that there are certain issues when you brought up before that are not copacetic on the part of China. China has hum human rights abuses. And I realize that none of these leaders are perfect. Mm -hmm. But I also think that our foreign policy is so reckless and we're making so many mistakes, as Putin had said once, actually, we are, we're making so many mistakes. And when you make those kinds of mistakes, you're going to end up losing. And that's where the U.S. is at right now. And I'm hoping to just open the eyes of Americans and also give the Russian side, because I don't believe your side is being heard and it needs to be heard. And I'll just add to that, if I may, but the key point Putin made, which I think the, the West doesn't uh, appreciate or understand putin said we've made many mistakes uh, certainly since the collapse of the soviet union if not before but he said we are learning from them and we are approving upon them that's not something i see from the west i see them make a mistake they'll stumble trip do the same thing over and over again and expect everything to be just fine yes no you're right and they keep making the same mistakes anyway mm. i also know you're on rt now and you're they're pulling have you contributed. in as an expert. Yeah. So congratulations uh, on a few that channels, as well. actually. Thank and, you very much. And I'll definitely um, have you back. Always will Thank have you, you back as the Russian correspondent. And I'll definitely let you know how that event goes. It's very exciting. It's about 70 different speakers, Superb. many high-level diplomats. So I'm looking well, thank forward to Thank you to you to and it. your audience uh, for having me. And uh, I very much look forward to the next time. Okay, we'll see you then again. And again, congratulations. It's a rite of passage. And it shows <laughs> that you're a real journalist, but you're right. Now you have to be careful because you are on that list. So I know That's it's right. not. But anyway, but congratulations. You're a bona fide journalist speaking <laughs> the Thank truth. Thank you very much. Okay, until next time, Mike. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Next time for more from Don Provda and Erica Gray for their twist on world news.